Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Ty's Tech Line. I'm your host, Tyler Harrington, and thank you so much for being here. So Ash and I have been on podcasting spree, it feels like, over the last couple of weeks. We have been doing all sorts of webinars and podcasts and all sorts of different things, uh, not only for this podcast, of course, but for a bunch of different other podcasts as well. And a theme that we've actually found across all these different things that we've been doing has been video for creatives. We have been teaching and talking about this like crazy for the past couple of weeks. And I'm actually really excited for the episode you're about to hear because it features somebody who is taking a lot of these things that we're talking about and putting them into practice. The person we have on the line today is actually Ashlyn Carter. And Ashlyn, if you don't know her, she is a copywriter and she does a fantastic job at copywriting and calligraphy and all those things that she specializes at. But she actually recently just started her own YouTube channel and she has been absolutely crushing it. So I really, really want to have Ashlyn on the podcast to talk about sort of her journey to YouTube, how she got there, and how she was able to start this successful YouTube channel with no background in video or editing or anything like that, and how she's able to kind of overcome that and how she does it and things like that. Because it's easy for me, obviously, to talk about video things because I have a background in video and it's something that comes very naturally to me. But Ashlyn is a perfect example of somebody who just saw the value of video and went out there and made it happen. So this is a really great conversation. I think there's a lot of really great things that you can glean from this conversation. And Ashlyn is just a whole lot of fun. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Ashlyn Carter. All righty. So we're here with Ashlyn Carter. Ashlyn, how's it going? So good. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today, Tyler. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on. We've been trying to plan this for what seems like a really long time. Now, you've been really busy in the past month with all sorts of traveling and all sorts of stuff. So can you share a little bit like where places you've been? I know you're in like New York, you're at the Kentucky Derby, you're in Texas, you've been all over the place. Um, yeah. I don't, And I don't usually, that is not like the norm, but I was, where all did we so I spoke at, I think it was four conferences in the span of about two months. And then oh um, we had one like fun trip in there. We went to the Kentucky Derby with some friends. So that was so fun. Um, it's always fun to get to wear a hat like that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that was mostly it was traveling. I'm trying to think of in there was like any like fun. I try to go to one good work conference like for me where I just sit and soak and don't have to worry about getting on a stage or anything. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of getting to talk to creative entrepreneurs about their words and copywriting and I love doing that so much. Yeah, and I saw you got to go to the silos in Magnolia. Yes. Yeah, how was that? Uh, just so great. The Mecca. My um, so I'm in a mastermind, and we went there in January. That was my first time, so this is my second time mm. back. But like, it's still it's Disney World for adults. It's so great. Right. Uh, we listened to Chip's book, Capital Gains, and he was talking about the the history of the silos and kind of like when they came up with the idea for it and all that sort of stuff. And I thought that was really cool to hear from him. Mm. There's sort of like heart behind it and the whole process that went into buying it and renovating it and how big of a risk it was. I could think. Uh, I think we see people like that do really successful things. And you just assume that, oh, of course, everything they do is going to be a slam dunk and that it's like a, a sure thing. Um, but he talked in the book a lot about how much uncertainty there was around it and how much they almost didn't do it and how it could have you know, easily fallen through and all this stuff. So I think seeing everybody go, we've never been, but like seeing people go there and, and experience it and see all that stuff. I think it's cool just knowing like sort of that background behind yes. it. And they're so good at, I mean, it seems again, Everything they do seems like a slam dunk, but yes. if you haven't read his book, I definitely suggest it. It was definitely I know. Was I'm really definitely going to think about that because Wes likes them too. And I think like it's cool. I think entrepreneurs look at their business like I, like everybody's obviously obsessed with them, but I have America. But I think that we look at them. We're like from a business standpoint, this is like the most fascinating case study to watch. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's a, his whole book is basically about that, like how we grew the business and how they grew their employees and Incredible. all the hard work that went into it and all the risks they had to take along the way. So cool. Um, and all that sort of stuff. So definitely anybody out there. You, you too. Mm -hmm. It's definitely worth checking out. I think we listened to an Audible, um, yeah. so it's a really great, great option. But speaking of entrepreneurship and kind of taking risks and things like that, Ashlyn, I know that you started off in sort yeah. of like corporate America. You kind of had yeah. you know the normal nine to five sort of job, and you eventually made the transition into owning your own business and things like that. So I kind of want to hit hit on that a little bit. But real quick, just for anybody out there who may be listening who may not be super aware of who you are, could you just tell everybody real quick who you are, what you do, and sort of what you're all about? Absolutely. So my name is Ashlyn Carter. My business is Ashlyn Wright, and we do calligraphy, which pretty sure everybody knows what that is. Um, the 
fancy words that go in wedding invitations, but predominantly we do copywriting for creative entrepreneurs. So lots and lots of writing and basically um, co- what copywriting is, if somebody's listening and not familiar, um, you're not alone out there. There's a lot of people that don't really quite understand what it is, but it's the marketing words that come alongside and help you sell in your business. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for just over two years now. That's crazy. I mean, it seems like to me, you've been doing this forever. Um, I don't remember exactly the first time we heard about you, but you've worked with a lot of the biggest names in our industry, you know, Jenna Kutcher, Caitlin James, those types of people. And so I feel like when we first uh, heard about you, Ash, Ash, Ash knows everybody. I'm always like kind of like late to the bandwagon. Um, our first ever Creative at Heart conference, I had to, I was sitting up in my room the night before looking everybody up on the website for the, who the speakers were and then like Googling them and figuring out who they I were. And I was it. like, okay, who's this <laughs> Natalie Frank girl? Like, what does she do? Like, I had no idea who anybody was. But when I heard about uh, you, they're like, oh yeah, she does copywriting and stuff like that for Jenna. So how did you make that transition from corporate America into writing copy for some of the biggest names so in the industry. I, I loved my corporate job so much. I worked um, my first job out. I traveled as a consultant and then went from there straight into um, like PR agency kind of setting. That was my dream job. It was mm-hmm. everything I ever wanted, like pencil skirts, clicking heels, Midtown, like huge <laughs> client names. Um, predominantly, I worked on the Delta Airlines account, helped support Chick-fil-A, um, some bank accounts. And I just, I love the heartbeat of it, the speed. Um, we did a lot of customer events, a lot of website copywriting for Delta.com, SkyMiles customer emails and communication. And I just, I loved I loved that world. And I think um, sometimes in the creative industry, there's like corporate bashing. And I, I just feel like I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like it gave me, it showed me systems. It showed me um professionalism. It just, it gave me a lot of who I was. I did also work in like um, a very creative corporate environment, which I think was a fit for me. So I do mm-hmm. think my experience was really good. But um, I went from there into working for a chef as his publicist. And um, I liked it. They probably expected a little bit more of hustle out of me than I gave because they wanted 24-7, mm-hmm. 36-5. And I just can't give that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you yeah. know, I got to a point where I realized that wasn't really a healthy spot for me. And all through this time, I did calligraphy at night just as kind of a like detox from the workday, right? It felt good to make something. And so kind of when I was getting to the end of my rope, and I know you've heard my story before, it's pretty messy, but I ended up um, kind of getting into some health issues with uh, just realizing that this was not healthy mentally for me and neither for my body either. So um, kind of through that time, I realized, you know, I want to I see if I can go on my own. I know I can write. I don't know what I'm going to write, but everybody needs words and I can figure out something. And um, I was like, I think I can make like this calligraphy thing work. So it was about two months in to... I mean, I was taking all the jobs. Like, I hate chalkboards more than anything. And I took chalkboard jobs. (laughs) I was doing, yeah, all that kind of stuff. I was writing blogs. I was writing editorial pieces for magazines. I was helping be an editor for a magazine. And it was like during that, so you were asking like the, what like kind of helped me get those bigger clients. And I went to my first creative conference and I said, having a jalapeno margarita with Jenna Kutcher. And she just, um, I want to be who she was to me one day for somebody else, but she just took a chance on me. And she um, she got to know me then. And then a few months later, I reached out. And she was like, hey, I know you said you wrote emails for Delta. Would you be interested in doing that for me? I was like, yeah, do you trust me? And mm-hmm. um, so she kind of gave me the platform to really like show what I could do in an industry where um, like – sometimes people will look at my business and think like you grew really fast and it did grow really fast. But I think I've always been doing the same things I do now. My audience just completely shifted. And then I also have never owned a business until Mm -hmm. the two years ago thing. Um, So that was really kind of how I started getting back into my bread and butter conversion, copywriting and emails and um, website copy. Um, Yeah. was kind of from her and then she started passing my name around and then um, yeah. Yeah. It kind of just grew from there. And I I think that in those bigger like corporate environments, I think people understand the importance of copy. And I think that that's just sort of part of the everyday jargon. It's very common, but for some reason in creative businesses and small businesses and things like that, it's not really. I think that we all just think that if we're not good at writing, we just need to try harder or just spend more time on it or whatever. And for some reason, I think as you know, the solo entrepreneur mindset is I can do it all myself. Like Mm -hmm. I can figure it all out, which to a certain extent you kind of have to do Mm -hmm. in those environments. But I think that ever since you started working with Jenna, I don't know if, you know, Jenna is definitely like a trendsetter in the industry, no doubt. So I think that it's become a lot more commonplace now for people to see the value of copywriting and understand why it's important. Did you see that value? Do you think coming from corporate, that corporate sort of environment helped you to see the value or is that something that Jenna kind of just 
pulled it out of you or how do you think that all kind of came about? I think I saw the value. I do think I wasn't prepared yet. Like I I was talking to Natalie this past weekend. I was out in um, San Francisco or last week in San Francisco with HoneyBook. Um, Natalie Frank and I was saying it was so funny. I remember getting in when I was first starting searching in the Rising Tide Facebook group, creative copywriter, copywriting. And I was like, I can't wait to see what questions people have about their copy. Mm-hmm. crickets like no one right. <laughs> no one knew what that word was no one cared and so um and now it's completely different if you search in there yeah. there's a lot there's other copywriters in the creative space it's so great how it's grown and blossomed but i do think um sometimes you hear don't go into a market if it's unsaturated because that shows that the need isn't there but i do think that sometimes you do see and like i saw that people need it it was a gap they didn't know how to describe it they didn't know how to pin words to it but they what they were struggling with was their word so I do think that there was a big like it felt like turning the Titanic around for a year. I feel like I was blue in the face trying to explain what it was over and over again on podcasts and blog posts, writing like all these really basic things because I was trying to get people to understand what I was talking about. And now the ball's kind of rolling. But um, no, I think you're right. I think that I knew what the value was because of where I came from. But um, sometimes we have an opportunity to educate people on something that they. Um, like they're bleeding and they don't know they are. Um, and that's a great opportunity mm-hmm. that we have. Yeah. Cause I know that every time I redesign a website, I have a graphic design background. So like the visual types of things or whatever was always, you know, it's always sort of there, but then you, you know, you put that copy box there with just Lauren, you know, Ipsum. Um, Lauren Ipsum in it. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, all right, someone's going to have to fill this in. Cause I have no idea what to write. And you just kind of assume like, Oh, it's just, I need to just try harder. You know, I, I just need to spend more time on it. But like I said, some people are just more skilled at it than not. And it just makes sense. And that's so, so vital and so, so important to the success of, I mean, a lot of things on the internet, you know, whether it be emails or Instagram captions or your website copy, like, and you have tons and tons of resources for anybody who's out there. So we're actually not going to talk that much about copywriting today. I just wanted to give you a chance to give a little bit of background, but um, Ashlyn has tons of amazing educational stuff on her website. She has, you know, an entire course on copywriting for creatives. She has templates for websites headlines and emails and production description and elevator pitches and professional bios, like anything you could possibly need. Like you should go to her website and you should find these templates if this is something that you sort of are resonating with. Um, You should definitely go check all these things out. And I think that's been so smart of you, Ashlyn, to, like I said, to spend the time to kind of turn the Titanic around. But now you're like head full steam ahead into everyone's like, they got it. And like, you are sort of the person to go to again, partially because of the exposure from Jenna and and things like that, but just Mm because you're so good at what you do. Um, But one thing that's been really interesting that you've also sort of pivoted to has been educating, right? So I know you just said you've done a ton of speaking and things like that. How did that sort of become a staple of your business? Have you always been into public? speaking uh no i'm like i'm an enfj and i always wonder where the e came from like (laughs) i'm pretty sure i'm an introvert okay so the education piece came from i think the more inquiries and the requests that we got in i started seeing that people it's like once the light bulb went off and they realized ah there's somebody who can take this off my plate completely then it was like i started to realize people were inadvertently outsourcing the psychology of sales when they would because they wanted us to take it off their hands but then they still couldn't explain or tell me why I needed to hire them and like as the CEO you know you probably watch Shark Tank Mm -hmm. like you need to be able to tell me like give me your pitch like why should I trust you why should I invest with you and I think that that communication that basic communication aspect is something that um, a lot of people feel icky about or they don't love doing but like we have got to be able to do that as the CEOs of our business so I think like a big like heart in me like I get I got so broken and upset seeing um, especially women and creatives not be able to make what they wanted to because they just were missing that little sales aspect so I think that is what like that probably lit the little match but but um, as far as public speaking, okay, so I mentioned my first job. I had to, um, I was traveling as a leadership consultant for a sorority, and I was an introvert, but I had to get really used to quickly speaking on stage. So I kind of like, I just got used to it, but then I went in my corporate bubble and um, didn't do that anymore. But again, like when I stepped back in this, it became a need. So I kind of had to like recover that part of me and learn again. I have worked with Jessica Rasdell. I know you know who she is. Um, a great, great speaking coach. Cause I, I want, I have a tendency to want to bake in like everything, but the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. And Jessica's really taught me how to like to be a teacher about it. Like you can't do that. You have to like respect the learning process and make, help people connect dots. And sometimes that doesn't mean putting in everything. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of how that part evolved as well. Yeah. And I think that's so, so interesting because as somebody who is a copywriter, who's so precise with words, and that's mm-hmm. obviously your whole job is like crafting words with so much intentionality. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. find it hard to kind of transition into speaking where you only get one shot at it? You there's can't no go back and like, yeah. let me think of a different word for this or what's a better <laughs> way to say this? Like there's no, you can't edit what you're saying. It's just kind of as it is. Is that frustrating to you? Oh is it gosh. liberating to you? You just nailed exactly like my fears about speaking in video. It's like, there's no backspace. Like, <laughs> Like I right, right. rely on the fact that I can make multiple drafts. I can come back to it the next day. Like it's a creative process. And then speaking, it's just kind of like, all right, we'll put it out there. Like hope it works. So, uh, so well, it's interesting. You just, so you mentioned videos. So the whole reason I have, I wanted to have Ashley on the podcast is because we could talk about copywriting all day long. And obviously she's so knowledgeable and so smart about those things. And we could obviously do an entire podcast episode on that, but you've done that on a bunch of other podcast episodes. And one that I have to shamelessly plug is my friend Davey yes. had you on uh, the brands at book so show, good. which is a great podcast, which everyone should go listen to. She's been on Jenna Kutcher's podcast. She's been on a bunch of podcasts speaking about copywriting. So I feel like that's been, you know, tapped into and you can find all the copywriting resources on her website. But what I think is really interesting, Ashlyn, is that you recently uh, started a YouTube channel, which I think is super, super awesome and super amazing. So talk to me about that. So, okay, what, when did you first come up with the idea for the YouTube channel and when did you actually, when did you actually launch it? Officially January. I dabbled last year, like trying to figure it out. Okay. So why did you, why, why YouTube? Why did you decide this was something? Cause like I said, you have tons and tons of great written stuff. You're someone who adores writing and words. What led you to the world of Okay, this is like one of the big reasons I was excited to talk to you because I don't get to talk about this a lot and it's like not really my lane. And so it's fun. It makes it like that much more fun. Okay, so the video thing came about. I always joke that like... I, there's some products that I'll write for that I turn around and I buy. So one of the first ones, um, Jenna's Instagram course, I bought it after I like wrote the whole funnel and the copy with the sales page and everything. And she texted me and she was like, you dummy, like you have access. And I was like, no, you don't understand. If I don't pay for this, I don't do it. And like had a bad relationship with Instagram at that time. Like I kind of hated it. And so I knew that if I would pay for it. I would take the program and go through the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was working on curriculum uh, or the funnel and the sales page for Trina Little's YouTube bootcamp. And the more I kept writing about how, you know, YouTube is the number two search engine. It's owned by Google. This is like, this is such a blue ocean for entrepreneurs and like small businesses. And the more I soaked in that, I talked myself into buying it. So I, we finished the launch, I bought it and um, I did her program. And I just like, I really adored the opportunity. Like I said, like I'm pretty shy. And so it was a bit like Trina had to push me. Push me really hard to like Ashlyn, just hit record, just do it. But I think that, you know, over time, I really did start to see that that is where, where as much as I could write till I'm blue in the face and enjoy obviously doing that, I was missing something with my followers. I was missing the opportunity to just really connect and um, let them hear my, my voice, my accent, and like see me and hear me talk and explain things. And I, I missed, like, there was just a gap missing. And so I think that once I realized that, I was like, all right, I'm going to get over this fear and I'm going to go for it. So last year was predominantly dabbling. Trina and I now work together. She's kind of an adjunct member of my team. I'm an adjunct member of her team. And so mm, she really mm-hmm. helps me um, get that video out every single week because to be honest, Tyler, it's still one of those things I'm like, okay, just hit record, you know, get get the yeah. focus right and everything. But um, I just, I love, it pays off in spades. Uh, so much to unpack. Okay. So first of all, let's, let's talk yeah. a little bit. So with YouTube, so we do YouTube as well. You know, I started doing YouTube, same, I sort of started dabbling. I've kind of been up and down on my consistency. It hasn't been quite as consistent as I would like. But you have a gazillion views on everything. Well, yeah. Well, I've I've the advantage of having is it with with you. Okay. So that's the thing. So with YouTube, there's two sides. There's like the technical side of like actually filming and editing and recording and making making the video. And then there's the entire other side of YouTube, which is the thumbnail and the title and the algorithm and the tags and the description and like all those different things, which is like a whole game you kind of have to play within YouTube. Yeah. So those are kind of two d- different things. So let's first, let's kind of t- talk about the technical side. Okay. So you don't have any background in photography or video. Oh my or gosh. I was a journalism anything, major and I remember right? like this one, one, it was like one week where they made us figure out like we had to learn about video and like walking around with the camcorder you know like everything like Mm -hmm. they were trying obviously like we were going through a broadcasting like segment and I hate I hated I was so uncomfortable with it so no (laughs) that's so funny so I actually was in the journalism school for a little bit of time I when I went to college I wanted to do photojournalism 
um, because I love photography and things like that. So I was the I was the opposite. I was the person who loved all the technical stuff and wished that there was more so and ended up switching out of there into the graphic design school because I took all the photography classes that they had to offer within my first two semesters of being there. So I was in like photo, you know, like photo 350 or whatever it was with all these seniors, with all these seniors who hated it and were just struggling through it. And I just wanted more and more and more. Right. Because I took photography in high school. Um, So so that's funny that that's funny. Yeah. So I've definitely been there. I understand. I I can totally picture that in my mind. Okay, so when you started, okay, I'm gonna do this YouTube channel. What? How did you get started? Because okay, so the reason I want to talk to you about this because I feel like video is so important. I think everything you just said. I've actually given this week alone two different talks on the importance Mm -hmm. of video and like trying to explain it for creatives. And at a conference recently, I spoke to a bunch of photographers who already have a head start because they're photographers. Like they understand how the camera works. Explaining everyone like you need to be doing video, and I think that people are so intimidated by it just to get started or whatever. So I think that hearing from somebody like you, because they're like, oh yeah, Tyler, it's easy for you to say you're a videographer. Like that's what you do, which again, that's a valid point. But for you, who has no yeah. background in it whatsoever, what were the steps getting oh. started? I know it's. I've, I mean, going back and watching your videos, I can see there's like an oh, evolution of you, bad. like figuring it out, like trying different things, tech, like different techniques, like whatever. So what have been sort of your, what has been the journey okay. of technically figuring out all the things you need to make I still videos? feel like I'm completely learning. Like every, it's like every week it gets better and better and better. But I do think, um, okay, so I'll, yeah, like once I hit that point where I was like, I want there to be a way, I don't want to have a podcast, but I want some way where I can like connect. So I was like, well, if it's not going to be a podcast, like YouTube is going to be really strong. So I'll go that direction. Um, the barrier to entry for YouTube, and Abby and I have talked about, Abby, Grace Photography, Abby, and I have talked about this before. I feel like the barrier to entry is like a little bit higher, which means that like you kind of have to like put your chips in when you're going to do YouTube. Like Mm-hmm. At least if you're somebody like me who didn't have, I didn't have a camera, I didn't have lights. Um, but Trina is probably the first person that really helped me. She, you know, was like, you can get this kind of lights. Um, I had I had a microphone already, um, but I had to get a camera and like learn how to position that and set that up with a tripod. That was really all the equipment that I needed. And to be honest, I think that there's a lot of freedom too in like using the video on your laptop and using a great ring light. Um, I know Sunny Leonard Doozy teaches that a lot on her channel. I guess the barrier entry is like high, but not high all at the same time. But it did take a little bit of like exploring some options. And I'll be to just to be frank, that was fear fear inducing at first because they these were tools I'd never used oh, yeah. before. I was setting them up on my own. I kept joking that I just wanted to pay somebody an hourly rate to come in here and set things up for right, me. Right, right. Know how to do that. <laughs> once once I got the hang of it and you know like Trina would watch videos and she'd be like, okay, kind of like you were saying, you know, like, put the mic here and you're gonna want to put blankets all over your hardwood floor because I can hear an echo like crazy. Um that kind of thing. Oh wow. That's that's hardcore. Yeah. That's advanced. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so you did you buy a camera then? Do you buy like a used camera? No, I bought mm-hmm. um and I had I actually blogged about this recently. I had won the family Easter egg hunt, the golden egg. So I have like 200 bucks from that. Oh my I gosh. know it was great. And um it was like around a holiday weekend. So I went to Best Buy. I like posted on Instagram. Obviously I have so many photographer clients and customers. I was like, what do I get? And everybody pointed me to a Nikon uh D3400. I think I said that right. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> go to Best Buy, got the camera, played around with it, was really just, you know, because like we went to we went to Europe, my husband and I, on our one year anniversary, and I was putting the photos together for our photo book and they were all my iPhone pics. And I was like, what? Like really nice trip, photos don't do it justice. So I knew I wanted to have a nice camera mm-hmm. at some point. I just didn't know how to use it. So there's, you know, a personal reason to get it. And then I also knew like I was kind of exploring video and I needed a camera to be able to do that. I will say going back, I wish I'd bought the kind of camera that flipped so I could see um, myself. I do have to set up a mirror behind mm-hmm. my camera so I can see where I am on it. Oh. Um, but you know, that's one of those things that in time I'll replace um, when it's budget wise, not a big deal to, you know, buy a few hundred dollar camera but um yeah right, that right, right. was the that was how i got my camera <laughs> this is what i tell people any dslr yeah. any camera that shoots video and honestly people you can do it with your phone like i don't know yes. what kind of phone you have but like it matters but it doesn't matter right like what you're saying is way more is important so like once you kind of figure out the technical stuff and again you said you're still kind of like learning and figuring it out but what i think what's great about you and so i've actually used you as an example ashley oh, in like God. all of my talks <laughs> i've been giving because i'm like guys ashley she's doing it I'm like she's not a photographer she doesn't have a background in photography but she's like out there she's like putting out content and she's doing it and i think that's so great and i think that so many yeah. people can learn from that because yeah. 
it doesn't have to be perfect. And if you watch your videos, like, I mean, they've evolved over time. Like, and I can, I can see them getting better and better and better after each one. You just nailed it. Just realize everybody started somewhere. Like I went back, I was looking for, I was wanting to do a recap video on something. I was like, what does a recap video look like? So I went back and found a recap video that Sunny Leonard Z did in 2016. It is not like what we think of now for her <laughs> video content. Um, she is it for those who are listening mm-hmm. who don't know who she is. She teaches YouTube for entrepreneurs, but yeah. So I think like I saw that and that gave me some freedom recently. Um, Trina always did tell me just what you said, Tyler. Like, she was always like, Ashlyn, they want the content. They don't really care. Like, how the yeah. you know, obviously that helps to have high quality, but like they want you to teach them what's something they don't know. Like how many times do we look up tutorials on YouTube and we're just like, get to just tell me how to do this thing. I need to fix this real fast, you know? Yeah. So and one thing I liked about your videos too is, is you have like, you have an intro sequence and you've got your graphics on there and you've got some lower thirds that slide in and stuff like that. How did you, is that all like, how, okay, how are you editing all these? I'm, okay. I'm curious this for sure. myself. Are you using iMovie? Or are you using Final Cut? Yeah. Um, and then how did you, did you just like YouTube all this stuff to figure out how to do it? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> is that pretty much how you just, figured it all out. Yeah. So I love, it's like the same thing that I do when I'm writing. I love looking outside of our industry and like looking at like how do cars market, you know, you know how does BMW market, how does Mercedes market. And so I think when it came to the YouTube channel, when I was first trying to figure out like intros and stuff, I was like, what do fashion bloggers do? What do like beauty bloggers do? Um, vloggers, I guess. And so like getting on and seeing their intros and kind of how they did things. I just, it was cool. Like there's there's such a world out there on YouTube and it was just so fun to kind of get to watch these people create and I don't know the the medium is just lends itself to so many different things so that was where I like kind of would get ideas from and then I would um I edit in iMovie and Trina and Trina has a team so she helps as well so I kind of show her um I've done a few of the intros myself when I was like, because I didn't want to learn like, what is the green screen like if I want to have a subscribe button pop up, that kind of thing. Um, and then mm-hmm. like, just like you said, YouTubing, how to do that. How do I make a subscribe button pop up? You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably how I pieced that together was looking at other industries and then kind of stealing like an artist. And I think that's great. And I think like just something so simple like that, which I mean, it took you, I mean, I'm sure it took you some time to figure it out. But once you figure yeah, it out once, you can repeat it over and over again, but yeah. it adds such like an extra level of just to show that you really care about it. Yeah. Right. And again, people, it's it's a fine line because yeah, the content is obviously most important and what you're saying is obviously the most valuable thing. But just those little touches, especially at the very beginning, make people be like, okay, this is legit. Like this is, this is the real deal. Like, Exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to stick on here. Um, all right. So moving on from the technical stuff. So again, that's still sort of like an ever evolving process for you, but again, you've got it to a point where you've got sort of like a baseline mm-hmm. where you're mm-hmm. like, this is good enough. It'll continue to improve over time. Um, and then, so as far as content goes, how are you thinking about your video content in the context of the, your, the rest of the content that you're doing for, for your website and for your brand? Another one of the big, like hooks that got me into YouTube is that I guess I started realizing because we all have to create so much freaking content, which we love doing, but at the same time, it's like it's a job in and of itself. And so realizing Mm -hmm. that like I had these really great blog posts that were doing well and had been pinned hundreds of times, like I could add a video level to that. So that was one thing that um, interested me and that we would look at. But we also, um, I worked together again with Trina and we would look like, what are people searching for that I can answer? And so it was that marriage of sides. Like, what do I want to talk about and what am I good at talking about and what is kind of missing out there that we can do. Um, I still, I love doing tutorials, like how to use software, how to use, like we use HoneyBook all the time. And those videos get like crazy amounts of views. So those are the really fun ones for me as far as um, whenever we can do a how-to behind the scenes. Uh, that one, those I really, really like. Have you found some sort of a trend in the, like the type of video you're making to how many views oh, that yeah, it's getting? Like, <laughs> The how the how to software ones just skyrocket. Um, the you know like I try to balance it out because some content I want to be I want to catch people who've never heard of me you know like never found me before um, and give that kind of information. But I do want to create a good bank and a library of videos for people that have been in the tribe for forever and they just want to like those are the people that are nosy about like my goals and what's going on with my family and that kind of thing. And I know when I create those videos about like not necessarily you know how to use the tools that I use to goal set but like what I'm actually working on I know that those aren't going to get like crazy amounts of views from people who don't know who I am because they just don't care. But um, those are the kind of 
content. Right. I, I trying to um, we do layer those in. You know, I'll try every three videos. I want to have one in there that's just going to be R and B relationship building with people that are already there. But then the other videos be content that is really actionable, and somebody can watch it one and done and never hear from me again, or they may opt in for our email list or something that way. Right, exactly, and that's the power I yeah. think of YouTube. And now you said it's the number two search engine in the world. So if you figure out how to use keywords strategically, yes. look up again. Google gives you all the information. There's so many places yes. you can go to find all this information of what people are searching. And just like you searched how to make a button pop up in oh. iMovie, people are out there searching, how do I write X, Y, and Z? And if you're able to come up on that, like you said, even if they just watch the one video that might pop up in yep. their, you know, the recommended feed or whatever, but, and then strategically by placing, you know, cards in the YouTube video and putting links in your description to opt into your email list and things like that. It's a really good, like top of funnel, just type of like way to pull people into the Ashland yes. Rights brand and get them to know who you are. And then, like you said, if hopefully they'll watch your other videos, fall in love with your personality, hear your accent, all those different things. And then, you know, you can start kind of hooking them in that. That way it's just like one more layer yes. of that um and are you are you writing blog posts around your videos are you embedding them into blog posts are you thinking of like video topics and then creating them how are, what is your sort of like idea that's generation a good question process? it's pretty much 50 50 right now so what i've also loved is once i write a good script for youtube which i've actually that's been really fun to write youtube scripts and once i kind of get that hashed out record the video. I can kind of take that and just tweak it a little bit. And it's a blog post, which is so nice because it's kind of like mm -hmm. the blog is already written. Yeah. And then for the blog, when we're creating a video to embed in a blog that already exists, um, that's pretty easy too. So it's just like, I couldn't believe how many, you kill two birds with one stone all the time when you're creating videos. So it's great. And like you said, like the lead generation, the, the list building emphasis of it only makes it even better. Yeah. Do you know, um, you know, Shay Cochran, Yes. And then her husband, Graham, has an amazing YouTube channel that he's been doing forever, for like 10 years. No. You didn't know that. Okay. So listen to this. So Graham is literally, if you want to follow somebody from a like a strategy okay. standpoint, he is the guy to go to because, so his YouTube channel is called The Recording Revolution and he makes YouTube videos about how, basically how to record, his, his tagline is like how to record... Uh, studio quality huh. audio at home. So mostly for people who like mix bands and record, you know, instruments and are okay. doing producing and things like that. Right. So he's been doing this for years and years and years. And he said it started off as this thing where he was same thing with you. He just had a blog post. And but for this, obviously audio, it's you really need to have a video yeah. associated with it, right? To explain how something works. So he said YouTube was just a place for him to embed, to put the video so he could embed them yes. into blog posts. You know, this was again maybe eight eight, nine years ago. Um, but then his YouTube channel started growing and growing and growing and growing. And he said, he told me that when I saw him at Creative at Heart last year, that by, he puts a call to action at the end of every single YouTube video. Like, hey, if you enjoy this content, go sign up for my list or this free opt-in or whatever. And he said that has made his list just like skyrocket. Like just putting in that, like that little, that little thing. But he's a really good example of using YouTube yeah. as again, that big top of funnel, getting all those eyes on it and then funneling people into buying his courses and to, you know, his other things like that. And he's able to, it's been his career for, I don't know, however long, and they make a really good living using YouTube as sort of like that top level catalyst. I think people look at YouTube and they say like, oh, like what's, what's the point? You're never going to make any money. Right. And like, you're probably not making any money off of like AdSense or anything like that. Are you, are you monetizing your no, I don't do that. And that's a good point because I do think there's a misconception like that people think the only way, like why, why would you do it? Why, why financially would you invest all the time and the energy into it? Um, because it's not, yeah, the ads, is that's not what I'm going, that's not the intention at all. Right. Unless you're getting millions of views right. or like hundreds and thousands of views a day, you're not going to be making a substantial amount of money. And even still then, those YouTubers who have millions of views, they're making more money off of like brand deals and like those types of things. Yeah. Okay. So talking a little bit more about YouTube and like strategy and stuff, do you yeah. guys have a strategy? Because I know that you've got um, your titles are really good. Your thumbnails mm -hmm. are really good. And then do you have any sort of strategy of like picking those? What is your sort of proce thought process on this? So there's all those great like TubeBuddy. We use TubeBuddy a lot. Mm -hmm. and do a I lot love TubeBuddy. Of, yeah. yeah. It's so helpful. And it's just fascinating to like get on other channels and see. Um, I think that's an untapped market too. Like there's so many, I guess, vloggers that I remember that I would look up to so much. And then once I had TubeBuddy installed, look up to so much i say like i was brand new like looking at youtube videos but um uh -huh. getting on channels and then seeing like that's people some people didn't like 
use any they didn't do anything to their videos and I was like oh my gosh there's that's such a missed opportunity and so once I was learning that you can tag your videos and then like you search something in Google and Google will send a YouTube video up you know right up at the top because Google wants you to go to YouTube now so that um yeah like having a great keyword strategy in place has been really really helpful obviously there's some keywords that we always kind of want to go for but we we drill down specifically per video and kind of figure out what what do we want this video to rank for and then we watch that you know like we'll watch Trina will give me updates like hey it popped up it's you know it's number one now you know or whatever um because mm-hmm. it's so so specific in YouTube like if you you want to get found for that little bitty thing that your video is about yeah and the thing that's nice about TubeBuddy which is basically just like a a plugin is not but it's a in something you can install that uh, gives you sort of like those analytics and things like that on the back end, and it shows you how many people are searching for this certain keyword or this certain key phrase or whatever. So you can strategically be putting in the right keywords that'll help get you ranked. And I was just looking at I was looking at your YouTube channel yesterday, and then I was like, I haven't looked at my YouTube channel in a while, so I went and looked at it, and one of my videos hit a hundred thousand views for the first time ever. Oh my and congratulations, it's huge. Which was yeah, which was like crazy to see that, and which again some there's some. It's all sort of relative, I suppose. But that's, again, it was like a really simple video. I didn't really think much of it. But when I looked back at the keywords, I had Mm. inadvertently sort of like luckily stumbled onto like just like the right keywords at the right place. And people are searching for like that exact thing. Um, And what TubeBuddy will do is it'll show you um, if because if something has too much volume, that's not good because you're never going to show up in in that ranking. But if it's got too little volume, then that's not good either because, you know, not enough people are searching for it. So it kind of shows you like where the best range is where it's like low-ish volume uh yeah like high a lot of people are like searching for it or whatever so um that's really smart and then as far as like thumbnails and things like Mm -hmm. that how do you have a strategy behind that that you're canva and have some templates i think one of the big learnings for me like uh, it was like a learning curve that my my because you know i have it we have pinterest strategy in place too and like that we want to have a certain thing um but the canva templates that we have for our youtube videos that title is not like exactly the title that's on the video and i think that was like a big catch for me like the thumbnail's job on youtube is to catch their attention in their eye like very quickly with very few words and then the headlines job is like the ranking situation that we're, we just discussed so that was like yeah that was something that the because the platform played a little differently, I wasn't used to that. Um, and I, I did want to mm-hmm. say too, when you were talking, I was thinking about like how intimidating it was for me to come up with the YouTube content ideas at first when I like realized there's, oh, I need to rank, but I need to rank in the middle. Like I can't go into something where there's too much, but not when there's too little. But I think um, like yeah. I would write down all these video ideas, like what can I teach about? What can, and then I would search for them. And once you have something plugged in, like, Tyler said, it's a plug and it's so easy. Once you have that there, you can tell like, oh, if I talk about this, it's in the sweet spot. You know, like it's something that nobody's covering yet. The platform like a TubeBuddy serves as a gut check to like confirm or ask you to tweak a little bit the ideas that you already have that you want to teach on. Yeah. And it's because you, it's a, it's a fine line because you obviously want to make content that you enjoy and that you're passionate about and that are aligned with your like brand and your vision. But at the same time, you kind of have to play the game a little bit in order to, to rank well and to to show up and things like that. So it's you kind of got to find, again, like you said, find that middle ground. I think your strategy of actually doing, you know, like one keyword heavy tutorial or something like yeah. that, you know, is going to show up highly in algorithms and stuff like that. And then pairing that also with other ones that may not rank as high and may not be as discoverable, but are going to be valuable for people who are already a part of your tribe or who find that one exactly. keyworded video and then kind of follow the rest of your content. Um, I think that that's, that's a really great way of thinking about it. And I love to hear that you use Canva and things like that because I think, again, people feel so intimidated. So like I use Photoshop to make all of my thumbnails and things like that. But again, because I have a graphic design background, yep. like that makes sense for me. And I use Premiere Pro to edit my videos because I'm a professional filmmaker. Like that's what I do. But a lot of people out who are out there who are like, well, I don't know how to do that. Or like, I can't use Premiere. I don't have Photoshop or whatever. So I'm just not going to do it at all. Like, no, no, no. Like there are definitely ways that you can do it and you can be really strategic in the same way, maybe even more so um, using Canva and using all these different things and just being intentional and smart yeah. about learning these things. And what's crazy is that there are YouTube channels out yes. there about starting YouTube channels and like how to grow your YouTube channel and things like that. So if this is something that you're interested in, something that you want to do, there's no 
excuses no. for why you shouldn't be doing it. Because like Ashlyn said, she came from having really no leg up in the game other than writing YouTube titles. You should probably be yeah. pr- pretty good at because it's kind of like writing yeah. an email title or like an email subject line or whatever. But aside from that, you know, you were literally kind of coming into this without much uh, prior knowledge or anything like that. So but would you say have you seen like a significant jump or any sort of like significant changes since starting YouTube? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's like 9% of small businesses are even on or using video or on YouTube. So it's just really like there's so much opportunity there. And what we've seen, I think I am positioned now more as like a teacher and educator. I think in the past, I've felt like I can never give up some of the client work that I have. And I've, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm so tired of client work because I feel like I've been doing it since I was like 21 and like out of college. So I do think that I feel a little bit freedom now that like, I don't know, like I am viewed more as like somebody who can teach and somebody who I don't think I would have that confidence if I was just still blogging and had no video assets or no YouTube channel to prove for it. So I think that was probably the biggest thing that's given me is like the confidence that people want that, that they're subscribing, that they're watching the videos. We can tell how long they watch the videos. Like we know that people are interested. And so I think I can't necessarily like pin, um, and Trina and I are talking about it too. I can't necessarily pin like a big spike in the email list, but we've been running tons of ads. We've had a Pinterest strategy in place. There's so many variables. So I can't, right. I can't figure out that, which the analytics nerd in me, which is that I could, but I can say that like the, the confidence that it's given me and the, the knowledge that like, aha, this is a sweet spot that people want and they need and they're watching and they're tuning in for. So we're just going to keep doing that because, um, the market's hot. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, like you said, it may not be analytics, may not be the place where you see necessarily that ROI, but I think like there's a there's a depth to a video that you just can't really yeah. get in a podcast. Something as simple as like you said, you said hearing your accent, hearing the the tone of your voice, your inflection, all those little things, just seeing your face, I think makes a huge difference. And the story I always tell is I remember when I when I was in college, I read Caitlin James's blog religiously, and one time she did a video post. I remember like I remember very specifically, and it was the first time I'd ever heard her voice or seen like seen her speak because this was like before Instagram, before all these different things. So I'd have been reading her blog for years and years and years. And I did feel like I knew her, right? Because I'd been, I always say I'm a, I'm a recovering KJ fangirl, but um, you know, seeing that video for the first time and hearing her speak and hearing her accent and whatever, just, it wasn't a great, greatly produced video or anything like that, but just hearing that she only did it once or twice because she didn't really enjoy doing it, which is funny now because she does so much video now, yeah. but hearing that one video made me feel like connected to like in a whole different way. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I feel like I know her like that much more now on top of everything else. So I think that like, obviously if you're like, I'm quitting the blog, I'm shutting off Pinterest. I'm just going to go to YouTube like that. I don't, that obviously would not be like a very savvy business strategy, but I think that incorporating it into what you already have is how people need to start kind of thinking Amen. about YouTube. it will just strengthen your brand like it's get the market is getting so saturated there's so many more and more people moving into our space which is awesome but like you need to have like what is that one more place that people can get to choose whether to follow along with your story like they just it just gives them another chance to connect with your brand and decide if you are for them or not. And um, yeah, it's been incredible for that. Yeah. And there's, I mean, like I said, there, the sky's the limit when it comes to YouTube yeah. and traction and things like that. Would you say, because we, we talked earlier about you've been doing a lot of public mm-hmm. speaking and those types of things. Would you say that that has helped you My in your YouTube gosh, journey yes. or vice or even vice versa? Has YouTube helped your speaking Hilarious that you asked this. So last week I was at Creative Live filming, um, teaching a class and I had to do an intro, like a video intro and like give three quick tips and then sign off because they were filming some trailers for the class and one of the guys mm-hmm. was like you're pretty good at this and I said it's because I have to do this every week on a YouTube channel and I hated yeah. doing it but once I got used to doing it it's made it so much better and then um, speaking on video has gotten easier the more I spoke in public so I think that it's like you just got to jump in. If you, you know, if you want to start speaking, like one will help the other doing lives that can even like, I think that was the first video I'd ever dabble with. It was like show up on Facebook live or Instagram live. And then once you get used to that, mm-hmm. um, but yes, like perfectly in tandem, one has helped the other a hundred gazillion percent. Yeah. I feel the same way about YouTube and then mm-hmm. podcasts even more so because, you know, podcasts are just speaking for twice yeah. as long as you would for YouTube video. But what's nice about YouTube is, is you have you oh. do have the ability to edit to a certain extent, right? Like you have, so it's kind of like the best of both worlds for you because again, you love public speaking, but you don't yes. have the ability to edit yourself. Yes. There's no back button. But when it comes to video, you have, you have a little bit of a back button. button. Like you can re-record segments, you can say things over and over again. 
And I think you're right. I think that live is a great way of kind of jumping into video and just sort of dabbling. And I think that if you're out there and you want to incorporate video, I think starting with something like Instagram stories or Facebook live is a great way to kind of start to practice. It goes away. The barrier to entry to that is obviously very low. Um, You can still help practice your tone and your inflection. And, you know, the way that you speak on camera is a little bit different than the way that you speak Mm -hmm. um, in other areas of your life. So it helps you kind of practice that, watch it back and it goes away after 24 hours. So it's not so intimidating or, or permanent. And once you kind of start figuring that out and figuring out your voice and your personality, then you can kind of start making that jump into YouTube and dabbling in, you know, the cameras yeah. and the editing and the lights and, and all those different things. And which can also, you know, you can Absolutely. build those things up as you go. There's plenty of great YouTube channels out there, like you said, that are very yep. popular that do everything off of a webcam or, you know, or a cell phone or something like that. So um, do you have, like looking back now, uh, six-ish, five, six months into your YouTube experience, what would you say is like the number one thing that you wish you could go back and tell yourself at the beginning that would maybe have helped you in your YouTube journey? I think just continuing to realize like, don't, cause I, yeah, just like being paralyzed to hit record, how it would struggle with so much. So that was probably one thing. And then the other thing, so I, I told you that like we really started in January. That's because I went in with Trina. I was like, all right, let's like, we had to figure out a partnership together because I was realizing like where I was really good at helping craft the content as it wasn't as sharp with studying YouTube SEO and figuring all that out. And so that would be the second thing. Like there are people out there who rank and optimize YouTube videos. And if you know you can hit record, you know you can write a little talk, you know you can, you know, edit with the best of them or not with the best of them, but like edit worth getting it out there. There there are people that would love to like pretty much think like YouTube VAs. They exist. And I think like once I realized that I didn't have to do everything for the channel all by myself, it was the biggest weight off my shoulders because I was like, my sweet spot is content creation and teaching. And I am like, just not the best at figuring out like, yeah, every like uploading it and putting the cards in the right place. But that's a, that's a big learning. I think that, and it's like I said, it, they're like VAs for YouTube that are out there. I think that's huge. And that's, I mean, outsourcing people, that's always the secret to anybody's success. I feel like anybody you hear yeah. who's doing big things in the industry, outsourcing is such a huge, huge thing. And like you said, figuring out what you're good at and accepting, okay, these are the things I'm not yeah. good at, but not letting that hold you back from having the value of doing video and just writing it off altogether mm-hmm. and just going for it. Okay. I'm trying to think if I have any other like last last second questions, but I guess I think this has been, this is super beneficial to anybody out there who's like just trying to get started in YouTube. So I guess my next, the final question would be, where do you sort of see yourself going with the YouTube channel? What is your sort of goal with YouTube? Do you have any sort of like big ambitions or dreams or where do you sort of see yourself going with that? I absolutely want to keep it up. Like when I think now about how to grow and scale the business, that is one thing that is a non-negotiable, the channel. Like it is, it has given us just so much freedom and access to kind of like teach what we want, how we want to. And um, like I said, like I'm getting tired, you know, and as we think about like growing a family and stuff, like the amount of hours that goes into launch copywriting, you know, 20 to 40 hours per client is just something that I can only take on, you know, a few at a time. And the opportunity that YouTube gives me to be like one to many is just so freeing. Like I can get the tools in the hands of people who, like I was saying at the very beginning, like need to know how to describe to sell their business. And so I think that that is um, just like what it, the opportunity that lies that it can get, get something that people don't have into their hands um, for free is, it's a non-negotiable. So I think if anything, as we grow, that is one thing that um, will be a mainstay. Yeah. And I think that's so, that's so, so smart. I think you're right. I think that it's one of the best ways to multiply mm-hmm. yourself without having this put yourself thing. Because if you think about going to a conference or something like that, like we just went to the Reset Conference and we love the Reset Conference and it's great and there's value to going to conferences. But we went and we spent, you know, four or five days traveling and going and speaking and we spoke to a room of maybe... 25 mm-hmm. people, 30 people, which is, you know, a normal, a decent sized room. The whole conference maybe had like 300, 400 people that were there total. If you think about a YouTube video, even like a not a great performing YouTube video has at least probably yeah. 300 views, yeah. maybe more. Like I said, I just had a video that had 100,000 views. If you imagine 100,000 people sitting in a room and you like yeah. speaking to them and the imagine like the impact of that, it's like that's insane. In, that's insane. You know, that's yeah. multiple football stadiums. And the fact that you're able to do that from your living room with very relatively simple means and with a little bit of strategy, impact that many people and take your message and what you have to offer people and put it in front of that many people. 
I think that there's just so much value to it. So I totally agree. I thought of one other thing I didn't mention too that was really attractive. As yeah. much as I love podcasts and I am a huge podcast fan, I love that YouTube was so quick. Like <laughs> I could record a you know or watch a three to five minute video, ten minute video, and learn how to do something. And so I think if that appeals to anybody, if they feel overwhelmed with the amount of education, like think about how great YouTube is. That it's just like this quick little snippet that you can get somebody to solve their problem in three minutes. You know that was appealing to me as well. And I think what you do well is you've discerned the where the different types of information and the different things you're trying to teach can perform best and can be the most impactful because some things are probably better as blog mm-hmm. posts, right? They mm-hmm. might just perform better as blog posts. They might be more impactful, but then video, having video as another option, mm-hmm. you know, there's different types of content are best suited in different mediums. So I think figuring that out for yourself um, and again, there's so many people out there, photographers, anybody who does anything visual, and you're struggling to figure out how to write blog posts about these very visual things, video might be the answer for you. Even yes. again, if you're not trying to grow your YouTube channel and have fame on YouTube, just as a way to embed it into a blog post and have it be able to explain things in a better way, or even something as simple as um, an onboard email, right, for mm-hmm. whatever your business might be. If you have a little video at the bottom that's like, hey, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to work with you, blah, blah, blah. Something as simple as that, a one minute little video can make such a huge impact and have such a stronger connection than, and then pair that with some amazing copy, right? With that Ashlyn can help you write. Uh, If you pair those two things together, now you're on a whole nother level than even the most perfectly crafted welcome email ever could. Yes, I love that, Tyler. Well, Ashlyn, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so, so much. I'm so uh, thankful for you just kind of like opening up about this and your whole process and being vulnerable about how you've gotten to this point and those types of things. And I'm so excited to see your YouTube channel grow. And um, I've, I don't know, I found it a long time ago. And I've been like secretly kind of like watching over the weeks and seeing as you've been doing it and things like that. So um, for anybody out there, they should definitely go find you. Where can people find you? on the internet where's the best place for people to connect with you yeah ashlandwrites.com is probably like ground zero and um, I appreciate your kind words I think it's from people that know what they're doing watch it I'm kind of like Ooga. but um, yeah let, thanks for letting me stumble through like me trying to describe what it's been like I just think I, if anybody's listening that's on the fence just do it like let me be an example just do it you can if you don't yeah. know anything about it I promise it's going to be okay I think it's so encouraging for people to see you don't have to have a background in this you don't have to know anything about video do it and to make an impact and to utilize video video as part of your overall marketing stream. So anyway, Ashlyn, thank you so much. This has been so great. You're so welcome. All right. Another big thanks to Ashlyn for being on the podcast. Like we said, please, please, please go find her YouTube channel and leave her a comment, subscribe, and let her know that you came from Ty's Tech Line. That would really just be awesome to see all you guys go over there and show her some love. Because like she said, it takes a lot to put yourself out there and to do these videos and to make this channel. And I think it's so great that Ashlyn is doing this. And hopefully this is encouraging to all of you who might be also interested in doing video as well. So thank you so much to Ashlyn. And if you guys are interested in supporting the podcast, as always, please, please, please head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review over there. That would be super beneficial and one of the best ways that you can help us out. Other than that, that's all I have for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it very, very much. This has been Ty from Ty's Tech Line, and I will see you in the next one.